Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. So this month we'll be talking about the God of the promise. The God of the promise. And we'll just unpack um, from the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because these are the people God gave a promise to and he actually delivered. What, what is a promise? According to you, this is interactive, right? So, <laughs> according to you, what is a promise? A vow. Yes, a vow. It's an expectation. An expectation. Anything else? That's actually true. A vow, it is an expectation. Uh, I got mine from the dictionary, I didn't have one. <laughs> So a promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. So it's in line with what you people have shared. So I'd like also to ask another question and please respond. Have you ever experienced a broken promise? Yes. Hey, the married couples here. <laughs> Would anyone want to share? Watch out, watch out. Hey, John, you look like you're ready. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, let, let me share mine. I remember in primary school, I was promised by my dad, Nikikuja top three, bike. Top three, Nikikuja. Full stop. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, times when you promise something and it's not fulfilled, it's quite disheartening and you feel sad about it. But we serve a God who keeps his promises. Amen? God never fails to keep his promise. So, our scripture today, actually we will look at a couple of uh, chapters, not every verse, but it's on the life of Abraham. But our main context comes from Genesis chapter 12, if you're there. Genesis 12, uh, verse 1 to 3. Because we'll be continuing in the subsequent uh, scriptures after that. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, good. At least Genesis. Where is it there? Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and I'll read from NIV. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Amen? So let's just do a recap from chapter 1. Genesis to 11, so that we get a context of where we are. So we are all familiar with the story of creation. Uh, God creates all of us, creates everything. He says it's good. And what God did, he made the human beings to rule over everything that God uh, had created. So he gave them dominion. Human beings instead cho chose to rebel against God and chose a life of sin. And from there, there was a spiral down, just out of control from Adam and Eve uh, and the forbidden fruit to uh, Abel and Cain and 
we know what happened there. It was just a downward spiral uh, from there. But out of a passion to protect the world, God washes the world clean of humanity's evil by a, a flood. We all know the story of, of Noah, right? So God uh, asked Noah to come up with this big boat. They'd never seen anything like it before. They even ridiculed him. But God, what God did was like a reset. And so Noah was preserved with his family. And Noah was like another Adam. So like, let's, let's start this from the top again and see whether you'll get it right. Unfortunately, Noah failed again. Noah himself, he failed. And from there, we see a downward spiral again. But what encourages me is that from these portions of scripture, we start seeing one, one aspect of God's character. And that is, uh, God is quite forgiving. Because God is always giving humanity a second chance. Despite our shortcomings, despite our failings, God is always giving us a second chance. So, uh, despite the evil that was there, God was determined to bless and rescue the world. Remember the portion of scripture we've, we've read does not just say that Abraham will be blessed. At this point, he was called Abraham, not even Abraham. So it was not just he, that he would be blessed, blessed and, hey, okay, let's come again. It was not that he would be blessed and his descendants only, but he says that, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And you know that's how God works, because even in our day to day. At that point, God used Abraham and his family who became the Israelites to bless the world. And in this day and age, we who are called by his name, we as believers, God is using us to change society. So if we see something around us that is not right, it means our work is cut out. So in our portion of scripture, uh, enters Abraham, he is called by God at the age of 75. At the age, okay, those days they used to live a bit longer than us. But 75 is not, it's not like, it's not like he was a teenager <laughs> by that time. He was old, he was advanced, he was already uh, a family man at this point. And uh, God decided to do another reset. And uh, that's why he told Abraham that I'll bless you and your descendants, and you'll be a blessing to everyone else. So, um, Exodus 19.4-6 actually says, there's a portion there that says that although the whole earth is mine, you Israelites will be for me a, king, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So you can see there was a role that God had for Abraham and his lineage. I, was, I remember sharing with Pastor Fred, but initially I used to feel it was unfair that God just chose the Israelites. What about the others? But actually God was thinking about the others, but he needed a point of reference so that he blesses everyone else. So, in the, in the coming weeks, we'll go through like uh, two, two, three generations of Abraham's family, and what we'll see is this repeated failure by the members of that family. Repeated failure. But then again, we see God's nature coming out because in each and every generation, as they continue to fail God, God remains faithful them and he keeps on reaffirming his promise to bless them when you read this portion of scripture that promise is not mentioned once he keeps on re-emphasizing it that i will bless you uh, i will bless every, your, your generation and all that your children will be many and all that so god keeps on reaffirming his promise 
despite uh, their failures. And Abraham, in this portion of scripture we've read, he answered God's call faithfully. Even though he did not know where he was going, because we are told, God told him, uh, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. He was not being told, I'll take you to place X. He was told, just stand and go to the land that I will show you. That takes crazy amount of faith. And Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We have that reference. We can read that scripture. Abraham did not have that. Corinthians was not there <laughs> at that point. So there's no way he could have read this scripture to encourage himself. In fact, he only had Genesis 1 to 11. <laughs> so it takes a lot of faith to be able to do such a thing. And at such an advanced age, at that point, when, when you've gotten to that age, you're not looking at moving towns, moving houses. You've settled down, you know. But now you're being told to leave. You don't even know where you're going. And unlike us, as you say, we have read this scripture. Abraham had not read this scripture. Genesis 15.6 says that Abraham believed the Lord and God credited to him as righteousness, the faith that he had in God. Now, it is, I think it was quite difficult for Abraham. I don't know whether before this he had heard of God or he had heard of the Lord because... Believe it or not, he was raised by idol-worshipping parents. Abraham was raised by idol-worshipping parents. In Joshua 24.2, Joshua says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So unlike us who have been bombarded by God's word, even if we've rebelled at some point in our lives. For Abraham, it was different. He was being raised in a place whereby they are worshipping other gods. So you can imagine how difficult it must have been for him to make that call and faithfully answer to God's call. It seemed to, it just seemed to be something that does not work ordinarily. But... It's like God, when he calls someone, he never gives you the complete picture. As we've seen, he didn't know where he was going. He never gives you all the details in advance. What he does is that he guides you in each and every step of the way. Uh, I believe it's Psalms 119, 105 that says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you know when you're carrying a lamp, uh, if you're going to go or KPLC or when you have a lamp it does not show you like if you want to go to another room it will not illuminate until your destination but the moment you start moving it will show you the next two steps and that is how God works that is how his word works is that it will illuminate for you but the only way you will get your destination is when you have to start moving so that God will show you okay this is the next step this is the next step and I believe that was what Abraham was doing. Now, um, one day maybe, Pasi, you'll come and tell us the story of how you received the call to become a church planter. I know he has told me this story. And I mean, how many have been blessed by the ministry of Pastor Fred and his family? We all have been blessed. But it has not been a straight path. 
it has not been a straight path. Um, some of you may know or may not know, this was not the initial venue. So as in, there is a story and one day they'll come and share it with us. But imagine if God had told him uh, his destination or everything. You know, it's not like God did that. God gave him a call and he answered. And I'm sure the corners along the way, they were unexpected. They were unexpected. But step by step, he responded to God's call like Abraham. And just by virtue of that, our lives have been impacted. If he had not responded to that call, who knows? We would not be here, first of all. We would not be here. So Abraham, he too had his fair share of disappointments in as much as he was the focal point of God doing a work. In scripture we are told that twice he lied about his wife. He said that this is not my wife, this is my sister. In Genesis 12, 13 says that, you know he's telling his wife, say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And in Genesis 20 verse 2, it says, And there Abraham said to his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech king of Gerar sent for Sarah and took her. So you're not, he's not just lying, but these two times his wife is taken from him. Imagine. <laughs> so you can, there, there are times where he was faced with a difficult situation and he was doing it to quote-unquote save his own life. Yeah? Again, we see failure, not just by Abraham, but also Sarah in Genesis chapter 16. They have been told that they'll have many descendants, right? They've been told that they will be blessed. We have read that Abraham was 75 years, but they don't have an offspring. So how will that happen? And over and above that, they are beyond childbearing age, and Sarah is barren. So it looks like, it's, it's like, you know those instances you want to tell God, you missed something here. There's something, you, there's a blind spot you're not seeing, yeah? So, and Sarah did something at times I find myself doing. She tried to help God to fulfill the promise, yeah? Because at times you, you feel like God is leading you in this place or he has promised this, then you're telling him, okay, this is how we'll get there. This is how we'll achieve it. But more often than not, we end up messing up. The Israelites, who now the descendants of these people, yes, they were there numerous. When they were rescued from Egypt, where they were there in slavery to go to the promised land, how long did it take them to cross over to the promised land? 40 years. But they could have done it in 11 days, two weeks. Why? Because God had promised them, but they decided, ah, let, let us show you how it's done. And they were grumbling and complaining, and God, tell, God let them have their way, and it, it took them a whole generation. In fact, they died. That generation even was wiped off. It was their children who entered the promised land. So what does Sarah do? In Genesis 16, if you're there, verse 1 to 6, It says that now Sarai, this was her name at that point, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. 
Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. Jamata aguliza maswali. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Abram was just there. Just there. <laughs> he not, uh, minding his own business. He's not even the one who came up with this idea. But now he's the one being blamed <laughs> for, for whatever is happening. So Sarai says, I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So you can see, when you try to step in for God, you actually end up messing the situation. It became a really messy affair. Because if they had listened to what God had said and followed God's footsteps, they'd not have ended up in such a messy uh, situation. You can see there was just strife across the board. However, we still see God's faithfulness. In each and every step of the failure of these people that he has called, God still remains faithful. In fact, in chapter 17, God takes it a notch higher and formalizes his uh, promise to Abraham with a covenant. Yeah? So if we go to chapter 17, verse 4 to 8, it says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Remember, this is someone who does not even have a child. Eh? You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you, will, will you be called Abram, you'll be called Abraham. If you come from where, from where I come from, both of them, you pronounce them the same. The, the H is neither there nor here. In fact, at times the H is at the front, Abram. <laughs> For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So he ended up going to Canaan, but there were people living there, other people. And God promised that this land would be theirs. But as we know how the story unfolds, by the time it became theirs, he, was, he had already died a long time ago. So it's his descendants who ended up uh, taking up this land. But God kept his promise. The same chapter, verse 15 to 17, now we've seen that his name has been changed from Abraham to Abraham. Abraham. So verse 15 to 17 says, God also said to Abraham, as for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. This is the woman who's barren, who's been called, she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down 
he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? I mean, from 75, uh, at that point he was promised, it's not that he got a son when he was 76, one year later. This is like 25 years later, still no son. So will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? So we see that God has changed the names of both of uh, these characters. And when God changed the person's name, he gave them a new name. Usually it was to establish a new identity. Yeah? Abraham meant high father. Abraham meant father of a multitude. Sarai meant my princess. Sarah meant mother of nations. So God was confirming that covenant and even changing their name to show them what their destiny is. And if we move to chapter 18, verse 10 to 14, I mean, God appears to Abraham and says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, how will I now have this pleasure? I mean, they should listen to the podcast for last month. Yeah? <laughs> then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So when he asks, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a rhetorical question. But each time God asks something like that, he's about to do something and he's about to prove something. We all know that nothing is impossible for God. But do we, do we believe that? Do we believe in that? At times when we are passing through something, do we believe that God is able to take us through that? Because at times I struggle. At times, like Sarah, I try to help God to help me. Yeah? And I end up messing up. This is the creator of everything, of you and I, our whole anatomy, of the seas, the galaxies, the way the constellations move and the planets don't collide. As in, everything, he has it in check. He created everything. So there's nothing that you and I are passing through or will pass through that is bigger than God. Amen? So when we go to God, he is able, that is, there is no doubt about it. He is able to, to rescue us, he is able to answer our prayers. So when we go to him, we should have that at the back of our minds. But it does not mean that everything we ask of him will come to pass. No, we, we need to ask in his will. And the more time we spend time in prayer and in the word of God, our, our will is aligned to his will. And we're able to ask things that are in line with his will and God is able to come through uh, for us. So when we pray, we need to make sure our hearts are believing God to do the impossible because he is God of the impossible. Amen? In chapter 21, God's promise is eventually fulfilled. And they have a, a child. Not too early, not too late, but right on time. According to human standards, at times we feel God is delayed. 
As we've seen some of the promises Abraham was given, he did not see them, but his descendants are the ones who saw them. So God in his own timing will come through for us. At times we feel like he's delaying, but he has a reason as to why he will, he's answering us at a certain point and a certain time. And even for, it's not like Abraham went to ask, to ask God, give me a child. God told him you will have a child. Then I come wake waiting. You know, so it felt like that broken promise, still waiting for that bike after Nikwe top three, you know. <laughs> Genesis 21, verse 1 to 5, says that now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son of Sarah, the, the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was 88 days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. By the time he was being told he'll have a, a son, he was already old and he had to wait 25 more years. Yeah? <laughs> So, what God had promised came to pass. Everything seems alright now, right? Well, not quite, not quite. In two chapters after that, God proceeded to test Abraham. It's something that looked contradictory to what God had promised him. Those are the times you have a conversation with God. Have you forgotten? There's something you're missing. Yeah? <laughs> But the, the other thing we see about Abraham is he still had faith in God because he obeyed God. It was a difficult thing he was told by God, but he proceeded to obey God. In verse 2 of Genesis 22, we are told that then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. I mean, parents, imagine you were told that about your child. Imagine. So, Abraham was told this, and we are told in verse 6, from verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. I mean, he obeyed, literally. He took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Hey, Isaac did not know what was coming. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Sure, Abraham sweat. And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. What kind of faith is that? What kind of crazy faith is that? And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. I think one thing that has come to me right now is when Isaac was told this, he did not have any further questions. So you can see he was already being brought up in the ways of the Lord to understand God's purpose in his life. And he was like, if the Lord said he will provide, to end him. Yeah. So, um, so he says that God, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand 
and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. How many times do we pray for something and God comes through for us? And we have become so fixated on that thing, we, forgot, we forget where we got it from. We forget that it was God who gave it to us. We are focusing on the gift rather than the giver. Abraham did not lose sight of God in all this. So we are told that uh, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, and to, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So you can see he's still re-emphasizing that promise. And at the end of it all, if all the nations of earth will be blessed through you and your, and your offspring. The other thing I, I want us to pick from this scripture is, as we mentioned, Abraham did not lose sight of God. He was always attentive to God. Imagine if he was not attentive to God. He, had, he would have been called when he's about to slay his son. And he would be so distracted and probably would have killed his son. But he remained attentive to God, even at that difficult moment. And God was able to rescue him. And this really encouraged me because I'm one of those people when I'm going through a difficult time, I get distracted and I isolate myself. And at times I'm so numb, I cannot hear God speaking to me. And I wonder, why, why is God just there seeing me going through this? And probably I'm the one who has put him on mute because I'm distracted by these other things and God is speaking to me in those difficult moments. So let us not lose focus of God. Even when we are going through difficult times, let us call out to him because he will rescue us at that, in those situations that we find ourselves in. Amen? Amen. Genesis 23, Sarah dies at the age of 127. In 24, uh, I mean, Abraham is becoming old, so because he wants he, he wants uh, his descendants to be there. He ensures that his, his son Isaac gets uh, a wife so that the family line continues. And in Genesis 25, we are told that Abraham dies at the age of 175. Imagine at age 75, his best days were yet to come. He did not know what was about to happen to his life. You know, and at times we feel, we look back at our lives and we feel we've wasted so much. But your best days can still be ahead of you yeah. if you give them to God. Your best days can still be ahead of you. And the promises he's promised you will come to pass. But if you remember this scripture we have said, it says because you have obeyed. Because you have obeyed. So let us follow God's word and obey what he tells us so that his promises do come our way. But why is it that God seems to like using very ordinary and flawed people? Because we can see 
these were not perfect people. These are people who failed God. And if you read through stories of the Bible, all through, I think everyone is flawed. Everyone is just flawed. Apart from Jesus, of course, but everyone seems flawed. So my, I, I was wondering, why does God seem to like using weak people, people who do not believe in themselves? But I got like a revelation about it. And for instance, if now you were to tell me to take one of those trucks and drive them down to Mombasa, or I go to, to the airport and I'm told, Shika flight, Nipeleke Mombasa International Airport was, even after 20 years, I'll still be there. That flight will not move. But if you give it to a captain, I don't, I don't think he'll have any issues. And at Ifikisha, at Aleoto. Or if you, if you tell one of these drivers to take those, I mean, these guys go from Rwanda, I don't know to where. Without thinking twice, he'll do it. But for me, I will have to reach out for help. Yes? And at times when things become so automatic for us, we forget God. We forget God because it's in my ability to do it. But God reminds us with our weakness that you can call to me and my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. So be encouraged. Whenever you feel down, whenever you feel like I cannot do this, oh, you're the perfect candidate for God. Amen? So we as believers who are called by God's name, we are the Abrahams in our generation. We are the Israelites in our generation. We who are called by his name. The society, our families, the society, the world will not change until we, we take up our role. Get our blessings, take up our role to pass on the blessings to everyone around us. God has promised us never to leave us never to forsake us. That's just one promise. There are so many promises in the Bible. There's an author of a book known as All the Promises of the Bible. He found, the author found 7,147 promises in the Bible. And there are different people who have seen different numbers, but all, they are all in the thousands. These are promises to you and to me. But how will we know about them if we don't spend time with God and read about them and be able to claim them in our lives. God is calling us to do this because whatever we are seeing, even whatever we are seeing in Ukraine and Russia, it's not big for God. It's, it's overwhelming for us, it's not big for God, but either way, God wants to use the believers to ensure that peace prevails, to ensure that his will on earth will be done. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.